This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. Barred from leaving China, Beijing's increasing use of exit bans is coming under scrutiny, with both rights groups and foreign businesses voicing concern. And it's not just Chinese nationals feeling the impacts. Reports noting scores of foreigners and executives also getting blocked at the border. What's China's end goal here? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's blocking thousands from leaving the country, including foreign executives. That's to the use of exit bans. Reuters noting an eight-fold increase in court cases involving such bans in recent years. Foreign business lobbies are voicing concern. Spain-based rights group Safeguard Defenders highlighting the use of exit bans in a new report, estimating tens of thousands of Chinese are barred from leaving at any one time. And it goes beyond Chinese citizens. The report cites a 2022 academic paper that found close to 130 cases of foreigners being exit banned between 1995 and 2019, including 29 Americans and 44 Canadians. Safeguard Defenders says since Xi Jinping took power in 2012, China has expanded the legal landscape for exit bans and increasingly used them, sometimes outside legal justification. The report notes that those barred from leaving China include ethnic minorities such as Uyghur Muslims and Tibetans, rights defenders, activists and lawyers, and Chinese people with financial disputes. Examples include an internet user by the name of Gao Jian posting about officials cutting up his passport when he tried to leave the country in 2022. The wife of a former independent bookstore owner in Shanghai was stopped from leaving the country last year. The family moved to the States after authorities shut down their bookstore. But in 2023, the wife traveled back to China to care for her ill mother, but was stopped at the border. Authorities questioned her about what her husband was posting online. I'm in a state of constant stress and anxiety, and I don't know when I will be able to hug my wife. And a human rights lawyer was barred from leaving in 2021. Authorities stopped him at the Shanghai Pudong Airport as he was headed to the U.S. to visit his cancer-stricken wife. The day before, he had written an open letter to Chinese leader Xi Jinping asking to leave the country on legal and humanitarian grounds. Officials said he was held under an exit ban. Reuters' analysis notes that most of the cases were civil, not criminal. That's in contrast to the U.S. and European Union, which imposed travel bans on criminal suspects, not civil claims. According to a Chinese judicial report, exit bans saw an over 50 percent increase, with 34,000 people barred from leaving in 2018. This comes in contrast to Chinese authorities signaling the country was open for business post-pandemic. Along the same line, Washington is taking issue with some of Beijing's other policies, voicing concerns about what it called China's punitive action towards some U.S. companies. Likewise, certain American companies are delaying their planned investments in China. This is the message the U.S. ambassador to China, Nicholas Burns, conveyed to Chinese authorities Tuesday. He warned that the vague wording of China's newly amended espionage law could imperil academic researchers, professors and journalists. 
China's foreign ministry recently raided the China-based offices of several American companies, detaining local staff. Burns says a lot of foreign firms are delaying making major investments until they see some consistency in messaging from China. He also stated that China and the U.S. need greater stability in their relations. He says the U.S. and China have seen a decoupling of their societies over the last three years, calling that not healthy or smart. U.S. commitment to defending the Philippines, a major ally, is ironclad. That's the word from President Joe Biden. He made the statement to his Philippine counterpart, Fernando Marcos Jr., on Monday. The commitment he spoke of also covers the South China Sea, where the Philippines faces pressure from China. Here's more. The U.S. recommitted to a security pact with the Philippines on Monday as concerns grow about China's influence in the Pacific. Both President Joe Biden and leader Ferdinand Marcos Jr. alluded to pressure from Beijing in a White House visit. The trip marks a sharp turnaround after a decade of icier relations with Manila. The United States also remains ironclad in our, remains ironclad in our commitment to the defense of the Philippines, including the South China Sea. A joint statement said new guidelines for stronger military ties meant any attack on Philippines' armed forces or public vessels would trigger American defense commitments under a 1951 treaty. It is only natural that uh, for the Philippines to look to its uh, sole treaty partner. Since taking office last year, Marcos has warmed up to Washington in contrast to his Beijing-friendly predecessor, Rodrigo Duterte. Public opinion in the Philippines has turned against China, too, over the harassing of Philippine ships and fishermen in parts of the South China Sea, both countries claim. U.S. officials say on top of the new guidelines, Washington will also send three military transport planes and possibly more patrol ships. The U.S. sees the Philippines as key to any effort to counter a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, the self-ruled island that Beijing claims as its own territory. If the People's Liberation Army does launch an amphibious assault on Taiwan, experts say the Philippines would be a potential location for the U.S. to base rockets, missiles and artillery systems that would repel the Chinese invasion force. Earlier this month, the U.S. gained military access to four new sites on the Philippines, three of them that faced north towards Taiwan. While the exact shape of a U.S.-Philippine alliance in a wartime scenario remain unclear, Marcos has told reporters before he does not want the Philippines to become a staging post for military action. Separately, President Biden also announced he would bolster economic ties, sending a mission to Manila to advance trade and investment in clean energy, critical minerals and food security. High above the ground, China's balloons aren't the only craft drawing attention. Airships are getting attention too. Next, a rare glimpse into the Chinese Communist regime's military operations. A satellite imaging company showing for the first time a suspected airship base in China. Let's dive in. U.S. satellite imaging company Black Sky took the images in November 2022, just three months before a Chinese spy balloon was shot down off the coast of South Carolina. They show a roughly 100-foot-long blimp. It's in the middle of a runway at a desert military complex in northwest China. The images also show a pivot point used to launch airships, as well as a 900-foot-long airship hangar. 
Aerospace experts say the images could signal major advancement in China's airship program. That could mean more versatile and maneuverable craft than before. And after the spy balloon incident in January, concerns over those programs have ramped up in the West. Airships are used for advertising and sightseeing, but also for surveillance and research. In New York City, one Chinese man is making a public statement and severing ties with the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. What prompted his decision? Here's the story of Chen Xiaolong, a newly arrived immigrant from southern China's Fujian province. Last week, Chen Xiaolong and his wife took to the streets of New York City for a special parade. I am thrilled to be part of this event and this group to quit the CCP. Two days after the march, Chen visited the city's Global Service Center for quitting the CCP, also called the Global Tuidong Center. The facility assists those who wish to sever their ties to the Chinese regime. There, he collected a certificate, verifying he had quit the party and its affiliated groups. I was aware of the nature of the CCP when I was in China, but I didn't dare to say so until I arrived in the U.S. Now by quitting the party, I can show that I am done with it. That's why I came to pick up this certificate. The parade marked the anniversary of an event from 24 years ago, a peaceful petition by adherents of Falun Gong. The spiritual practice teaches meditation and centers on the principles of truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. On April 25, 1999, tens of thousands of Falun Gong practitioners lined up in Beijing. They asked authorities for the right to practice their faith freely and to stop police harassment and defamation in certain cities. That was before the regime launched a nationwide persecution campaign against Falun Gong later that year. The CCP has been lying for its own benefit since the beginning. For their own selfish gains, they didn't want Falun Gong to expand, so they lied about it being an evil cult. In fact, the real evil cult is the CCP. Chen pointed out that in the U.S., people can talk freely and live their lives as normal people should. But it's a different story in mainland China. To do business there, you have to send gifts and money to communist officials, treat them to feasts and entertainment. Only then can your business survive. In the U.S., it's different. The society here is fair, just and equal. For almost two decades, the Global Tuidong Center has been helping Chinese people living around the world withdraw from the CCP. More than 400 million people have quit through its website. Chen has a message for other Chinese immigrants to the U.S., especially those aligned with Beijing and pro-communist groups. It is China that we love, not the Chinese Communist Party. NTD News, New York. The United States Commission on International Religious Freedom on Monday released its annual Religious Freedom Report. On this map, you can see the 28 countries the report deemed to have the worst situations. 17 of those are represented in a darker shade of blue, indicating even worse situations. In an accompanying statement, the Commission said those 17 governments engage in or tolerate systematic, ongoing and egregious violations of the right to freedom of religion or belief. The country with the most offenses is China. The report found that a whopping 39% of offenses were committed by the CCP. The Commission's chair tells NTD there is proof of one especially brutal means of persecution. Credible reports that China has been engaging in uh, organ harvesting. Uh, uh, this is also a decades-long practices.
Many of the most targeted groups for religious persecution are in China. The CCP is heavily persecuting Muslim Uyghurs. This chart shows that a large percentage of victims are Muslim or Sunni Muslim. Falun Gong practitioners are also among the most targeted groups. At the end of the day, the Chinese uh, leadership uh, would need to recognize that people of faith actually not a threat to the society, actually helps to have a healthy society. This has been shown by uh, Falun Gong practitioners, uh, Tibetan Buddhists and other people of faith. Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, is a spiritual practice rooted in the principles of truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. Ariane Pastar, NTD News. Friendliness is growing between South America and the Indo-Pacific. Taiwan and Paraguay are pledging to grow stronger ties. That's following the landlocked nation's presidential election last weekend. Paraguay's ruling party candidate, conservative economist Santiago Pena, won victory Sunday. He received nearly 43% of the country's vote, marking an over 15-point lead on his opponent, Efren Alegre. The center-left rival has argued for switching Paraguay's formal allegiance to China, while Pina has promised to maintain its long-standing Taiwan relations. His triumph marks a win for Taiwan. Paraguay is one of just 13 nations that still holds official diplomatic ties with Taipei. Over the years, Beijing has exerted pressure to whittle away those allies, urging them to side with China instead. Honduras is the latest country to swap, trading Taiwan for China in March. The Chinese regime views Taiwan as its own territory and staunchly opposes activity between Taipei and foreign officials. That's despite never having ruled Taiwan. Taiwan's ambassador to Paraguay congratulated Pena on behalf of Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen, saying they'll continue to deepen cooperation and exchanges based on shared values like democracy and freedom. Syria's president meeting with China's special envoy to the Middle East. China is a known supporter of President Bashar Assad's government. Here's what the meeting covered. Assad praised China for what he described as helping make peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran. He also thanked China for siding with Syria in the 12-year conflict. Chinese regime has been urging other countries to also abandon the U.S. dollar and use the Chinese yuan for trade settlements. Syria's president expressed support for this during the meeting with the Chinese envoy. Yuan became the most widely used currency for cross-border transactions in China in March, overtaking the dollar for the first time. In recent years, more and more countries have reached agreements with China to settle bilateral trade in the Chinese yuan. In general, the West has been critical of the Syrian government under the leadership of the current president, particularly in regards to his crackdown on political opposition, use of chemical weapons, and involvement in ongoing Syrian civil war. On the other hand, Beijing has helped Syria by vetoing draft resolutions that went against its capital, Damascus, at the UN Security Council. China's manufacturing sector reported an unexpected decline in activity last month. Looking at official data, this is its first contraction since December 2020. The world's second biggest economy is struggling to recover post-pandemic. Facing off against weak global demand and instability in its real estate sector, confidence in the country's property sector is fragile. Despite the state's support measures, for years, real estate has been a pillar of China's growth. Beijing is expected to continue its supportive fiscal and monetary policies in the coming months. 
Large crowds are sparking fears in China amid the country's May 1st Labor Day holiday. Estimates show that in Shanghai, tourists visiting the megacity will exceed pre-pandemic levels by 20 to 30 percent. That prediction comes from the city's police. Tickets for Shanghai Disneyland are almost sold out, with some of the most popular attractions reaching wait times of up to three and a half hours. It's the first time Chinese residents are celebrating the five-day holiday in years, following the nation's nationwide COVID-19 lockdowns. More than 14,000 people visited China's Great Wall on Sunday. Passenger travel on day one of celebration surged over 152 percent from the same day last year, according to state media. It's causing concerns that the large gatherings may lead to another widespread virus outbreak. The head of the infectious disease department at a Shanghai hospital recently commented on those fears, saying in an interview with Chinese state media that there are signs of a possible second wave of the pandemic. Coming up, foreign companies are concerned about their business in China. That's with Beijing broadening the scope of its counter-espionage law. Without a clear boundary between espionage and the normal information gathering, businessmen now run the risk of unknowingly putting themselves in danger. So I I think that's the key factor here. As the geopolitical tension ratchets up, it's going to put foreign companies um, in an ever more tenuous position uh, operating in China. And we've already seen hundreds of them leave. We spoke to Nicholas Eftemiadis, retired senior intelligence officer, about what that means for foreign companies in China. His comments after the break, here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China broadening the scope of its counter-espionage law. But Beijing isn't defining the boundary between normal info gathering and criminal offense. And that uncertainty is sparking fear among foreign businesses. Nicholas Eftemiadis, retired senior intelligence officer, breaks down what this means for foreign companies doing business in China. He's also the author of Chinese Intelligence, Operations and Tactics. Nick Eftemiadis, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you very much for having me back. So I want to begin with these headlines talking about China expanding its espionage or spy law. It seems it's even broader now. So what are the ramifications here? What can we see? Well, it's actually China's counter-espionage law, um, originally done in 2014, that, uh, that they are expanding. They're expanding to include cyber, uh, calling any act of cyber hacking or something like that an act of espionage. Uh, without really defining it, they're expanding the concept of what a secret is. Uh, they actually used to have seven, 17 categories of secrets, but now it'll assume, assuming it applies to state-owned enterprises and to Chinese companies as well. So um, there's rather a chilling effect that they've sent through uh, industry, particularly foreign companies in China, uh, by doing this. And Nick, you have a background in espionage, and you also have a book called Chinese Intelligence Operations and Tactics. How do you read these two very different messages? The one on the one hand saying, we're open for business post-pandemic, and the other, as you say, sending this really chilling message. Yeah. I. I 
I, I don't think anyone really has this down. Um, I, I, it's clearly notable that this second message of that we're doing for business is China gearing up in retaliation. We've, we've noticed this, right? They've arrested uh, Japanese business persons. They've accused the United States of spying. They've made themselves the victims in so many ways. Uh, so I, I think this is their version of gearing up for either response or retaliation to all the um, the accusations of Chinese espionage globally, because it, it actually has become an issue. It's a, which which you never had in espionage, right? Espionage was always something that was kept under the covers and that diplomats discussed, but it never really impacted government policies. Uh, particularly with this last last balloon adventure, it, it has impacted um, government policies. So I think China is gearing up in some ways for its response. We're not going to be victims anymore. We're, we're going to show we can retaliate against foreign foreigners and foreign companies here in China. So I think that's what, what we'll start to see next. And Nick, you mentioned how this counter-espionage law expands on the one from 2014. It's just widening the scope of what falls under national security, but without really defining what that is. So how can businesses or even people operate without really knowing what's legal or not? Well, business, um, that, that has happened. China's actually applied secret laws to foreign businesses as well. So, um, so they've been under these operating conditions for quite some time. Uh, however, we, we haven't had the geopolitical tension that we have had now in recent years as the United States starts to respond to you know, the, the acts that China has been doing for some period of time. So I, I, I think that's the key factor here. As the geopolitical tension ratchets up, it's going to put foreign companies um, in an ever more tenuous position uh, operating in China. And we've already seen hundreds of them leave. So, you know, the Asian tigers, as they're called, the four Asian tigers into Southeast Asia, people are moving production outside of China, and, and largely because of those um, geopolitical tensions and China's very, very apparent um, attempts at getting intellectual property and trade secrets. On To your point, actually, we did see about $3.17 billion in global investment funds being pulled out of China right. within five days. And it seems on this note, too, we're seeing an increase in exit bans, where China's not letting people leave the country. But at the same time, we're also seeing Chinese nationals trying to cross illegally into the U.S. So what do you make of that disparity? Yeah, isn't that extraordinary? Uh, within China's youth, that there's an unemployment rate of over 20 percent. So um, it's uh, it's a, a key factor. You know, you really can judge a nation by whether people are trying to get in or get out. Uh, and in this case, a lot of the youth are, are disaffected at this point and uh, looking for a future and looking for you know for, for themselves and how to build you know the, how to build themselves for a future and, and where are they going to go well they can't do it in china and given a ban it forces them into illegally having to leave and nick with these geopolitical tensions that we're seeing and with what we're seeing inside the country with the youth trying to build their future elsewhere what do you make of the timing of all of this especially with this announcement of these broadening laws? Uh, well, I think if situations are sort of exacerbating. Uh, the Chinese government is, for lack of a better term, tightening the noose. 
Um, Xi Jinping is solidifying political power. He's already done that, really. Um, but uh, he is seeking to control more of Chinese society. And as you know, you squeeze your fist, people slip out through your fingers. And, and so businesses are getting out, people are getting out. Um, I think you see a large part of, um, of the movement of money trying to leave China you know, by elites. So, uh, you know, all, the, all these things are a function of Xi Jinping consolidating power and ever, you know, in a greater tightening world or new surround society. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.